One of the things we like to do every Easter, because it's the one Sunday a year that everybody who calls Coastline home shows up to church, and today was historic for us. After a year of... I had to have seen over 100 people today that I haven't seen for a year, people that have been in the online service who came back. (laughs) Two services this morning. You guys were smart to choose this service because the services this morning had no parking. Every seat in the building was taken. Every seat outside was taken. I mean, two services packed indoors and outdoors this morning. And so I I, I applaud the 4 o'clock people because you guys know how to do church. Like, you're not fighting the... (laughs) crowd like everybody else, but it was, it was just truly God doing something. It was an icebreaker for many people to get back into the physical gathering of church and, and see what God can do through the body of Christ when we all come together. But because this is the one Sunday year where we all come together, I like to kind of uh, update you on different things that you have been a part of. If you were here Christmas Eve, then you know uh, we've adopted a colonial in Tijuana, the colonial Alamar. These are shanty towns down in Tijuana. There's so many families throughout Mexico who are trying to escape the cartels, the drug violence, the human trafficking, and, and they escape and they set up these little kind of squatter camps. And it's, a, it's like something you would see in Africa. It's little makeshift houses out of cardboard and tin and plywood, dirt floors, and the one little uh, colonial that we've adopted as a church, there's over 140 children alone, let alone adults, living in this, this little place. And we've been, over the last few years, laying concrete floors for families, doing what we can to make the community better. Well, if you were here Christmas Eve, then you remember the night, uh, I think it was the night before Christmas Eve, there was a terrible fire in the colonial, and 12 of the homes completely burned down. And these families who had very little to begin with lost everything. And just through the generosity and the love of our church, uh, our church gave that the Christmas Eve service, and we were able to go down there and rebuild all 12 homes. Not only that, there was this this kind of abandoned lot that was filled with trash and car parts and glass and and couches, and very dangerous for children because of all the sharp objects. We're able to clean the entire thing out, create a soccer field, and now we're praying and believing God for playground equipment and set up a community park there because the children have nowhere to play. And then not only that, but We also have adopted a rehab in Tijuana for drug addicts, and it's the only rehab in this region of Mexico that actually takes in drug addicts who are handicapped and in wheelchairs. And I, I went down there, and it was at the facility, and, and it, was, it was like a shack that they were living in, the, the handicapped section, because that's all they had. The other section was completely full. And so as a church, one of the things that your generosity has been able to do is we're down there right now rebuilding the bathroom facilities to make them accessible for wheelchairs, rebuilding their living facilities to make it accessible for wheelchairs as we're helping these people who are coming off of drugs in wheelchairs. It's amazing what God is doing. And so I asked uh, Willie, who leads all of our work in Mexico, to send me a video yesterday on his phone. So I just want to warn you right now, this is not professional quality. This is not, you know, the videos that that Cedric produces that look really, really good. This is someone who texted me a video off of their phone yesterday. But I want you to visually see what your generosity is accomplishing, the difference that you're making as a church, uh, as you see what, what God has done through just all of your love and your faithfulness. Watch this video with me. These are five homes in this area. There is another another home in another area that were rebuilt. Uh, the generosity of the coastal people. 
so many things that have happened in this community that now we have the opportunity, the amazing opportunity to bring this to the family. You remember that this was a terrible road to the end because the kids don't have a place to play. Now we're going to have a soccer field now, a playground. We are looking for resources to bring a, a playground for the kids. I was there is an issue in Tijuana. There is no place for handicapped uh, addicts to be in a rehab center. There are, there are none. So uh, we have decided to help in building this area for 15 handicapped people or special needs addicts with uh, wheelchairs or uh, uh, dif different disease, uh, even terminal disease. We're going to see the progress. Let's see how, it, how it's been done so far. We're going to be here. Hey, to thank you for your generosity, your love. Let's give the Lord a hand for everything God is doing down in Mexico. I tell you, I love being a part of this church. I really love the, this, this, the heart of this church, to love, to care, the difference that God is making right here in this community. We have a beautiful building for our children, our teenagers that's going to open in a few months from now. But not only this, the difference that you're making in Mexico, the difference you're making in North County, uh, last year, we had the largest food drive in all of North County feeding people during the COVID pandemic, helping families that were struggling financially. And this week, we, we began the process of looking for our very first Coastline Dream Center building here in North County. We're believing God that we're going to expand all of the different food programs that God is doing through our church, and we're going to get a stake in the ground and, and, and see more happen but it's all because of your faithfulness. It's because of your generosity. It's because of the way you love and care for people. And so I just wanted to, to, to honor you for just a moment and let you know how grateful I am to be a part of a church that cares for people, that loves people, that's making a difference in the lives of people. Here's the question this Easter. What do you think your life would look like? I you to think about this. What would your life look like if what we talked about a moment ago, we didn't just celebrate Easter as a holiday on a calendar. But what would your life look like if you truly experienced the resurrection power of Jesus? What would your Christian life look like? In fact, what could it look like if you experienced Easter and not just celebrated it this year? First, let's, let's look at what Easter is. What, what is Easter? Well, think about it like this. If our greatest need as human beings, if our greatest need was for information, then God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need as mankind was forgiveness to be able to be right with God. So God sent a Savior. Somebody that could step into our place, take all of the punishment that we deserved, and rescue us from sin, bringing salvation and forgiveness into our life. And so what I want to look at 
this Easter is the most famous verse in the Bible. And I'm asking God to breathe fresh into it that you're going to see something new out of a verse that is so familiar that so often we miss the full depth of it because of being so familiar with it. We're going to look at John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You know, it reminds me of the old country song. I grew up in Texas, loved country music. There's an old country song that says, The night old Jack Daniels met John 3.16. <laughs> I'm not going to sing it, but it's a great song. You should, you should Spotify it sometime. It's a, it's a really, it's a funny song. I love this verse because if you understand what's happening here, John the disciple is writing this gospel. And John is, is telling a story of Jesus meeting with this very respected Pharisee named Nicodemus. Nicodemus came to Jesus in the middle of the night because he didn't want to be seen associating with Jesus for fear of other Pharisee friends that he had. So he comes to Jesus and he has this conversation. What do I have to do as a very religious, very devout Jew, good person, somebody that fears God and honors God? What do I have to do to be saved, to be born again, to be able to go to heaven? And Jesus looks at this very good Jewish man who honored God and obeyed God and said, you must be born again. And then I love the disciple John, because what he does is in the middle of telling this story, he gets so excited that he steps out of the story and he blurts out with excitement for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. You see, this wasn't Jesus speaking. This was John speaking in excitement about what's taking place in chapter three in the story. And he does some very unique things. So I want to look at this verse with you tonight. The first, the first part of the verse I want to look at is, For God so loved the world. God is crazy about you. God loves you. Jesus made this very clear. I didn't come into the world to judge the world, but to save the world. God loves you. That was the motivation. And this was shocking in the first century. If you understand anything about first century culture, all of the Greek and Roman gods of the first century, they didn't love humans. Humans were pawns and toys, and they played with humans, but they didn't love humans. So for John to say this about a God who is great and mighty and powerful, that, that he actually loves mankind so much so that he gave his own son to take our place would have been shocking. Jesus tells a story to illustrate who his father is. He calls it the prodigal, uh, it's the two prodigal sons, basically. Luke 15, there's these two brothers, a younger and an older, and the younger brother comes to the father in total disrespect, says, I want my inheritance now. And so the father gives him his inheritance, and he moves away, and he blows it all, blows it on, on prostitutes and parties and drugs and drinking and wild living until he loses everything. And he has to come crawling back to his father. And the story goes that the father is sitting on the front porch and he sees the son far down the road. And the dad takes off running down to the son and he embraces him and he hugs him and he loves him and he celebrates welcoming him back into the family. Those a party. The older brother gets angry. He's furious. How dare my father do that after what my younger brother has done? He should punish him. He should discipline him. He should grovel and beg and have to earn his way back into the family. He's angry. You see, in this Jewish culture, 
a good older brother, a noble, honoring older brother, would have gone to the father and said, Dad, I'll go find my younger brother, and I'll bring him home. Whatever it costs me, whatever it takes, whatever I have to go through, I'll find him, and I'll bring him home because I see how much you love him and miss him. And unfortunately, in the story, this younger brother didn't have a good older brother. But here's the good news. You and I did. We had an older brother who went to the father and said, Dad, I'll go. And I'll do whatever it takes. I'll pay any price, whatever it costs me. I'll go and I'll bring them home. And Jesus came. Our older brother went to a cross so that those of us who are younger brothers and sisters could come back to the Father. Love. Love. Second part, it says that he gave his one and only son. This was the intervention. This was the Savior. This was the solution to the dilemma that we're in. You see, here's, here's the problem that we were born into. You've got God who's holy, who's perfect, who cannot sin, who cannot even be around the presence of sin. And then you have mankind, us, and we've sinned and we've made mistakes and we've had evil thoughts. And from the smallest white lie as a child to much, much worse. And we're separated from this barrier called sin. And because of our sin, we can't have access to God. We can't know the Father. We can't have relationship because there's this barrier called sin. So God, out of love, sent his son Jesus to break through the power of sin and death through his blood and build a bridge for you and I to be able to have access to the Father. We can now have the Father as our Father who loves us dearly because the sin problem of our life was dealt with at the cross. But there's a step that we've got to take. The next part, that whoever believes in him, this is our response. This is our reaction. God sends his son, but we have to respond to that gift. So here's what John says. He does something very unique. It's never happened before in Greek literature up until this point that we can find. You see, our New Testament was written in the original Greek language. We have an English translation. This word believes is the Greek word pisteo, pisteo. The word in, traditionally in the Greek language, is very similar. It's en, E-N, would be our word I-N. And so what this should read in the Greek is pisteo in, you pisteo in Jesus. But John does something very unique. He doesn't use the traditional word in here when you read it in the original manuscript. He uses a different Greek word. He uses a Greek word, ace, E-I-S, ace, pisteo, ace. It should read pisteo in, but John says, no, 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 it's not pisteo in, it's pisteo ace. The word ace is not translated into the English word in, it's translated into the English word into. You see, what this should read is whoever believes into him will be saved. And what does that mean? Let, Let me illustrate it like this. It's one thing to have a faith that says, I pisteo in, I believe in this chair. 
That, that's one level of faith. I believe in this chair. I can see the chair. I can touch the chair. I know the chair is real. It's sitting right here. It's, it's right in front of me. I pasteo in this chair. That's not what John is saying. He's not saying, I believe in Jesus. I believe Jesus was the Son of God. I believe Jesus was a historical figure. I even believe Jesus was resurrected from the dead. That's not what John is saying. He doesn't say, I pasteo in the chair. He says, I pasteo ace. I pasteo into the chair. This is a totally different level of faith right now. See, it's one thing for me to believe the chair exists, to believe the chair is real, to see and touch the chair. It's another thing for me to believe into the chair, to put the entire weight of my being in this chair, to put the fullness of who I am, all of me, into the chair. You see, what John is communicating is something very different than, than what we think. He's saying it's not enough to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. It's not enough to believe that Jesus died on the cross. It's not enough to believe that Jesus rose from the dead. What I'm asking you to do is to believe into him, to take the entire weight of who you are, all of you, and place yourself into his hands. Surrender your entire life into him. I mean, it's a different picture of faith. So the question is, do you pasteo in Jesus? Do I, do I believe in Jesus? Or do you pasteo ace Jesus? Have you believed into Jesus? Here's why this is so important. The next phrase says, shall not perish. How could it be love for God to send his son to die unless there was something so terrible and so horrible to be avoided. You see, this was the prevention. And I know it's not socially acceptable to talk about anymore. We, we've, we've kind of all but eliminated it from modern Christianity, especially here in America. But I need to say that hell is very, very real. And when you die, it is heaven or it is hell. There, there is no other option. And if that makes you uncomfortable, then you're uncomfortable with Jesus because Jesus preached on hell 33 times. Jesus taught on hell. So to deny the existence of hell is to deny the existence of Jesus Christ himself. He taught on hell more than heaven. Why? Because he does not want you to go there. 32 times in the New Testament, it refers to hell as fire. Unquenchable, eternal, everlasting Fire. 19 times Jesus Christ himself refers to hell as fire. In the Greek language, the word they use for hell has three meanings in, in the Greek dictionary. One meaning is acute pain from a debilitating disease. The other definition, it's the name of a rack of torture, a torture device. They invented with, with sharp objects that they would stretch people over until the objects would pierce into their body. The other definition for this word hell was fire hot enough to melt metals. In fact, at one time, Jesus said, let me give you the biggest picture I can of what this hell place is going to be like. He called it Gehenna. Gehenna. In the Hebrew, it's the Valley of Hinnom. I've stood in the Valley of Hinnom right outside the southern steps of the temple. It was there in this valley that they would sacrifice children to the God of Molech. We have two. 
two kings of Judah who each sacrificed children to the god of Molech in this valley of Hinnom. And the way they would do it is they would march the children with whips into the fire. And as they would march the children into the fire, you would hear the children weep, wail, and gnash their teeth. Jesus said, this place is Gehenna where there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. He's trying to paint a picture because he does not want you to go there. You know, people ask me all the time as a pastor, how could a loving God send anyone to hell? My question is, why would anybody reject a loving God? How could anybody reject the loving God? You see, for you to go to hell, you have to step over the beaten, bloody body of Jesus to get there. Because God did everything in his power to prevent you from going there. Because he's got something else planned for you, but have eternal life. You see, he wants you to live eternally with him. That's his plan for you. But the, the problem is heaven is not our default location. You don't automatically go to heaven when you die, and it's not about being a good person. None of us will be. Think about this. Why would Jesus have to brutally die if somehow I could be good enough to get into heaven without him? Does that make any sense at all? Like, how would a loving God allow his son to go through what Jesus went through if, if I could get around it? By just being a really good person. There's no way I'll ever be good enough. I need Jesus. So the message of John 3.16 is simple. God loved. God gave. We, receive, we believe. We receive. And let me ask you, is that bad news how? Like, even if you don't believe in Christianity, how is that bad news? You know, people love to criticize Christianity, but like, what is there to criticize about a God who loved us so much? Gave his son in our place so that we could be saved. And that's why we say as Christians, we don't celebrate Easter once a year, but it's available. The resurrection power of God is available to us every day. The same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. I want to show you a story of a couple in our church who decided Easter wasn't a once a year thing, but that power was available to them every day of their journey. Let's watch this video together. We, we had planned a trip to go to Hawaii for my granddaughter's birth, and I was having issues swallowing. And so uh, I said, well, you know, I'm gonna, if this continues, when I get back, I'm gonna have to go to the doctor. And of course, um, you know, we we're there for my granddaughter's birth, and you know, we came back, and I'm like, okay, this is still happening, so I need to go to the doctors. And so we made an appointment with my doctor, and. He looked and he said, ah, you know what, I don't really see anything. He goes, but let's just go to an ENT, get you a, a referral to an ENT and, um, you know, just to double, double check and make sure. So we went to uh, an ENT and he put a scope down there and it was right there on the TV and he was looking at it with Alicia in the room and he said, well, I definitely see something. Um, but it's not, it doesn't look discolored, it doesn't look, you know, rough around the edges. And he's like, if you're worried about whether or not this is cancer, he goes, uh, I wouldn't, uh, this is not cancer. And so we both walked out of that, you know, going, praise God, right? It wasn't, you know, it's not cancer. 
And I remember I was at the high school baseball practice and uh, I saw that it was the doctor's office and you know I just clicked it because I figured you know they were just following up or whatever. And then it rang again and I was like, oh that's weird and I clicked it again, you know, because we were in the middle of doing something and then it went off again. And this time they left a message. And the message was, hey, this is so-and-so from Dr. So-and-so, and you need to uh, get in the office. And so we both went into the office the next day, and then, because um, at that point they had done a, a CT scan with contrast. And my throat and my lymph nodes lit up like Times Square. Um, and so they said, it's cancer. So, we had cancer with Sunny, we had COVID and a global pandemic, and we had Christ. And I know that when Sonny has shared his story about, you know, the way that it came about that he got diagnosed, the first thing I did was turn to Coastline and our community there. And the only way we could connect at that point in time, because everything was locked down, this was the beginning of full lockdown, was daily morning prayer on Instagram Live, where we were just joining as a community and everybody was praying for each other. And I learned not only to ask for prayer, for healing, for Sunny, but to learn more about how to pray for that healing expectantly. And I think during that time in the way that Pastor Aaron talks about God's promise and divine healing and that it was already done for us 2,000 years ago, that what Jesus suffered on the cross was a healing that is promised to us, whether it is on this side of eternity or not, we can declare that truth. And that gave me the powerful words and understanding to pray for my husband. Hearing uh, Aaron, you know, um, hearing Aaron pray for me, um, and and knowing that that. Uh, that, that had never, ever happened to me in my entire life. Like, to have that uh, community surround you in that moment, it just, it furthered my um, desire to want to go deeper in my relationship with God. Because, um, you know, through that, I want, hopefully, other people to experience that and, and, and in some way, if I can be that a, a small part of that for somebody else, I mean, I, I, I think about that all the time, you know, and, and um, so, yeah, so update, fast forward, um, I just had my second um, CT scan with contrast, and it's 100% gone. Come on. Sonny serving on the GO team tonight on the camera. Sonny, thank you for sharing your story with our church. Here's what I know to be true. Every single person in this room tonight, everyone watching me online, those of you sitting outside, here's what I know to be true. All of you have a terminal disease. It's called mortality. And right now, the current death rate's at 100%. And now you're thinking, I wish you'd be more positive on Easter, Pastor. I'm positive you're all going to die. 
So the question is not, are you going to die? The question is, are you going to experience a resurrection after death? Everyone's going to die, but not everyone is going to experience resurrection. You see, Jesus was resurrected from the dead so that we could be resurrected to life after we die, eternal life. So that's the question. Will you be raised from the dead? You know, it's funny to me, every time a, a, a Christian dies, a believer dies, people always go to the family and they say things like, oh, I'm so sorry for your loss. Loss? They're not lost. We know exactly where they're at. You know, when a Christian dies, they're not lost. They're with Jesus. For them to be lost, we would not have to... We, 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 if we know where they're at, they're not lost. It reminds me of a father who had terminal cancer, and the doctors came to him and said, it doesn't look good, it's progressing quickly, and to be very honest, you're not going to make it through the night. Like it, it, We just don't foresee you making it through the night. You need to say goodbye to your children. And so the dad had three children. He brought in his oldest son, and he looked at his son and said, son, I want you to know that I love you. I'm so proud of you. You've, you've become such a great father, a great husband faithful to God, faithful to church. I love you, son. Good night. He brought in his other son, and he said, much of the same. You, you've, you've become such a good man. You love God. You love your family. You love your wife. I love you, son. Good night. He brought his daughter in and said, there's nobody in this family that I have cried for more, that I have prayed for more. The whole time you struggle with drugs, I, I prayed for you and cried for you every day. For years, I've cried out to God and prayed that you would give your heart and your life to Jesus. There's nobody I've loved and prayed and cried for more than you, my daughter. And then he looked at her and said, goodbye. And she was taken back. She said, Dad, why did you tell me goodbye and you told my brothers good night? He said, my daughter, if you don't give your life to Jesus, this will be the last time I ever see you. So we're all going to die. But the question, is it a good night? I'll see you tomorrow. Or is it a goodbye? And the difference is not whether or not you believe that Jesus was real. The devil believes Jesus was real. It's whether you believe into Jesus. Have you taken the entire weight of your life and put it into the palm of his hands and say, Jesus, I am yours completely?